good, ain't he? Amen. Uh, John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 43, John 1, 43. Are you thankful for the word of God? Amen. It's quick. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. The following day, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. Now, Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him. How many people think it's important what Jesus says about you? Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, whence knowest thou me? He said, you're right. You're right. How do you know? Jesus answered and said unto him, before that Philip called thee, When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. He said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the people that have gathered together here in this place in your name. Help us, Lord, as we break the bread of life. Help us, Lord, to be clear. God, help us to hear the word, hear the word, believe the word. Not just believe the word, but God, apply the word to our life. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said amen. If you're going to help me preach, you can sit down. Uh, If you're here today and you're a visitor, we want to say we welcome you here. Um, You're a little crowded right now, but we're in the process of starting to build a church. So help us pray about that, that we get it done quickly. Amen. Uh, We need a bigger facility to do more things for the kingdom of God. Amen. Um, When you read scripture, if you're not careful, you'll you'll breeze through it and you'll miss important points. Jesus seen Nathanael come and, and he said something about him that was pretty interesting. He said, an Israelite indeed. He said, this man's an Israelite indeed. And he said, in him there is no guile. Now, if you don't know what guile is, then there's a problem because you don't understand what Jesus was saying. Um, the Bible, when it talks about the serpent, it says he was more subtle than any beast of the field. The enemy is very subtle. Uh, he's crafty. He's sneaky. Um, The enemy, the devil hides behind veils. I've never seen the devil face to face, but I have dealt with him many times in my life. Can you say amen? Um, We have an enemy, but he hides behind things. 
The Bible says that the enemy can even come as an angel of light. Uh, he doesn't show up and say, hey, I'm the devil, and I'm here to tear your family apart. He doesn't show up and say, hey, I'm the devil, and I'm here to bring depression and drop it off on you. The devil doesn't come like that. The devil doesn't come in those ways. He comes in veiled ways. He comes in ways to where he wants you to be a little bit unhappy in what's going on in your marriage. And the devil will send people to point out things for you. Can you say amen? It's veiled. It's subtle. And it keeps building. It keeps building. And that's the way the enemy works. Um, I, I know a lady, a, a pastor's wife one time, and, and, and she would say things very, very boldly. And she'd say things that would hurt your feelings. And she really didn't care. And her line was this, plain talk is easy understood. And it is. There's no veiled meaning behind, you know, any of it. She'd just throw it out there. Um, this is the kind of guy that Nathaniel was. The word guile is subtility. There's no, he's very, he's not subtle. Nathaniel is not subtle at all. He's very bold. As a matter of fact, when he comes to him and says, hey, we found Jesus. And you know what he said? Can, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can any, I know that place. I, I know the people down there. Can anything good, he didn't hold anything back. And when Jesus seen that, it is that quality that he emphasized about Nathaniel. Nathaniel was willing to go and see, but the quality that stuck out to Jesus was, this guy's not very subtle. And let me tell you something about being a disciple of Jesus. There may be room to be subtle, and there may be room to be cunning in some things, but when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's no room to be subtle in any of that. We may even debate parts of sanctification and, and your growth and how you grow in Jesus. But when it comes to coming to Jesus and getting your soul saved, there is absolutely nothing to be subtle about. Because the truth is, we possess the truth. These scriptures that I preach to you every Sunday, in them you have eternal life. Outside of this Bible, there is no heaven, there is no joy, there is no peace, and there is no comfort outside of these scriptures. There is a way, there is a truth, there is a, there's a promise, there's a life, and that life is through Jesus Christ, and there is no other avenue. I don't have to be subtle about the fact that there is only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I don't have to be subtle about the fact that if you're going to make it and escape hell, you got to go through the blood of Jesus Christ. Muhammad can't help you. Buddha can't help you. Joseph Smith can't help you. New Age can't help you. Your positive thinking can't help you. There's only one help, and his name is Jesus. So if I'm going to be a disciple, i got to quit bringing veiled meanings to a lost and dying world trying to veil the gospel as to not, let's, let me preach today, as to not hurt a lost person's feelings. 
I promise you this, they will appreciate their feelings being heard if they find Jesus and understand that they escaped hell. They will appreciate the fact that somebody was willing to not be subtle about the gospel and give it to them straight. I don't want to hurt their feelings. How many people here avoid the doctor? Raise your hand if you avoid going to the doctor, you avoid going to the hospital. I mean, it's like the last minute thing. Raise your hand if you're that person. How many of y'all love going? No matter what happens, you're there. As a matter of fact, you feel like you should be on your way there now. You know, a lot of times we avoid the doctor because we're afraid of what they might tell us. We don't want to go because we think if we don't know, it won't hurt us. How many people in here right now would, if you had a terminal illness, how many of you right now would like to know that you had that terminal illness? Raise your hand. Most of you. You're the same people that raised your hand that said you avoid going to the doctor. Here's the problem, people. You can't know if you don't go. So we talk about this a lot because we do this a lot. We diagnose ourselves. You know the problem with diagnosing yourself? You're not qualified. You are not qualified. And we've already proven that Google... <laughs> Google's not your friend. I don't know if you know this or not, but they're actually hiding stuff from you to get you to think a certain way. Oh, preacher, he's a conspiracy guy. I'm telling you the truth. This system ain't here to help you. It's here to control you. So you start Googling your problem, and then you start self-medicating, and you're all messed up. I know a man one time, that had concrete poisoning on his knees. And he went home and, and it, was, it was hurting pretty bad, so he poured peroxide on his knees. He said, man, this will make me feel better. Finally, after his knees got so bad, he went to the doctor and he said, what is this? He said, it's concrete poisoning. He said, have you been in, have you been in concrete? He said, yeah. He said, well, it's, it's poisoned your skin. And he said, well, I've been putting peroxide on it. He said, that is the absolute worst thing you can put on it. It speeds up the process. He said, you don't need peroxide. You need something else that will stop this, this uh, chemical reaction from taking place on your skin. Oh, we think we're doing a good thing, and we think that we're helping ourselves. You know what you need to do? You need to get to somebody that knows how to deal with what your problem is. We talked Wednesday night. Jesus never said he was the friend of sinners. He said he was the physician to sinners. And sometimes your physician doesn't feel like your friend. Can I get an amen? If you ever got one of those shots about right in here, you are not, you are not feeling good. You're not leaving there saying, that's my buddy. You're, 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 you're like, yeah, I'm going to punch you. But what they're doing may hurt, but what they're doing is for your good. Jesus said, I am the physician. I want to tell you a story because this is what got me thinking about all of this. 
I, I went to the hospital one day to pray for a person. And I was standing beside their bed in the emergency room, and, and I prayed with them, and, and I talked with them. And, and the doctor came in, and he knew, he knew, he knew that that person had cancer. He, he concluded that they, had, they didn't know they had cancer. So he takes us out into the hallway, and he informs us. He says, this person has cancer. And I, I'm thinking, are, are you, why are you telling me? Why aren't you telling them? And we walked back in, and they had plans, and they had things they were going to do, and they had uh, uh, things that, that were already in place, and, and they began to ask, well, when will I be able to do this? And I waited for this doctor to just say, we've got a greater issue that we got to deal with, but he never did. He never could come to the point where he told this person, so he left it up to somebody else. I want to tell you something. I'm not leaving it up to anybody else. It may bother you and it may hurt your feelings, but I want to tell you this. Sin is terminal. Sin is terminal. I, I, I wonder if, 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 you knew, if you knew what you had was terminal and you knew that in the end it was going to destroy you. How much more would you appreciate me telling you and then letting you know that there is a remedy that I know of and it don't just maybe fix it. It's 100% guarantee it'll fix it. I don't like taking medicine, any kind of medicine. My wife's like a four-year-old when it comes to taking medicine. You got to almost mix it up in something to say, here, take it. Am I telling the truth? She takes a pill. She takes any kind of mess. She's like, what is going on over there? I don't, I don't, I don't like taking it. Anybody? Now, when I was a kid, I liked that bubblegum penicillin stuff they used to give us. That. And I did like that. I can sit here and get you a shot of that. So if, if, if I can, do you like taking medicine? It's all right. Anybody like me don't like taking it? I need to talk to you. What are y'all? Anybody don't like taking medicine? Okay, thank you. I got six people. The rest of y'all we need to pray for. No wonder there's a pharmacy on every corner. You don't like taking medicine? So if I came to you and I gave you medicine, I said, here, take this medicine. And you say, do you feel good today? Feel fine. But if I gave you medicine and said, here, you need to take this medicine, what are you going to say? Yeah, what for? What, what for? What, why, why, why do I want to take this medicine for? Well, because it's, gonna, it, it's good medicine. I'm telling you, it's really good medicine. And for what it's, what it's made for, man, it's really good. Will you take it now because it's really good medicine? No, why? Because there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with you today, right? So you're not just going to go ahead and start taking it for nothing, right? This is the problem when we preach one side of the gospel. We tell people about the medicine, but we don't tell them the reason they need the medicine. We tell them, oh, take this, take this, take this, take this. And they're sitting there like, buddy, I don't know about you, but I'm having a good time, and I feel fine. I'm good with it. I know some people are comfortable being sinners. Some people are comfortable being lost. They're okay with it. 
But until we set them down and say, listen, what you've got going on is terminal, and this thing is going to take you to a devil's hell, but I got a remedy, they may be more likely to look at the remedy if they understand there's a problem. Oh, hold on, I got you something. Anybody ever heard of Robert Courtney? Let me read this to you. He was a former pharmacist from Kansas City, Missouri. In 2002, after initially being caught diluting several doses of chemotherapy drugs, he pleaded guilty to intentionally diluting 98,000 prescriptions. Let me say that again. He pleaded guilty to diluting 98,000 prescriptions of chemotherapy. Why would he do that? Anybody got an idea? It was given to 4,200 patients. He was sentenced to 30 years in federal prison. In 1990, he began purchasing pharmaceuticals on the gray market and using them to, to fill prescriptions at his pharmacy. In time, he began diluting prescriptions to increase profits. Both practices are illegal. In 1998, Eli Lilly, a sales representative, noticed Courtney was selling three times the amount that he bought of the cancer drug. It's the full dose that they needed. But he was diluting it for his own profit. Listen to me really close. We live in an era where people dilute the gospel for their own profit. Too concerned to not offend someone because the church has a budget. They begin to dilute things as to not hurt anybody's feelings. I want to serve notice to you right now. I believe we sit amongst a group of people that says, give me the truth. I'll measure up. I need the full dose. Don't dilute it. Don't water it down. I want to know what the word of God says on my situation. Don't worry about how I feel. I need it straight, man. I want to give it to you straight today because we live where everybody's about their feelings let me say that again we live in an era where everybody's about their feelings you can lie to me as long as you make me feel good about it right That kid at work told the boss that I was bullying him. And the boss came to me and said, hey, Jonathan says you're bullying him. I said, build him a safe space. Build him a safe space where he can hide from me and I won't hurt his feelings. Because let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to change telling him the truth. You're saying, you're, I'm not mean to him, I just tell him the truth. Remember the story? Big guy standing there, hitting a the hammer, barely hit it. I looked at him and I said, you are so weak. And he said, you're awful mean to be a preacher. I said, being a preacher don't mean you have to be nice. It means i got to tell you the truth. And the truth is you're weak. 
That's the problem. We live in an, oh, man, am I preaching to anybody? When I came to church and sat in the pew, I was looking for answers. The preacher got up and he hurt my feelings a little. But I didn't care because I was tired of the life that I was living and I needed an answer. And it wasn't about my feelings. It was about fixing what was wrong with me. And if I go to the physician and he says, this is what you need, I don't care how my feelings are. I got to line up with what the physician says so that I can get in. Here's the problem. There is a hell. And the world don't want to preach it. Because here's what this sissified, weak, whiny generation wants to say. That, I'm telling you, it's getting worser and worser. Oh, don't get me started. This society has emasculated men to where there are a bunch of sissies. Say amen, preacher. Do you know why this society has done that? Because the problem is God ordained the man to be the leader of the family unit. Make him a wimp, the whole family's a wimp. Oh, preach, preacher. I don't feel like going to work. You're a man, get up and go to work. I don't feel like it either. If I went to work every day, I felt like it'd be like three times a year. There comes a point when we got to man up and quit talking about how we're feeling. God has never once asked me how I felt about his word. He's never once asked me how I felt about sanctification. He never once asked me did I feel good about crucifying my flesh. He never asked me if I felt like taking up my cross and follow him. No, he looked and said, you take up your cross, you follow me, you crucify your flesh. This is what you do. It ain't about the way you feel. He said, here comes Nathaniel. This is a true Israelite. He ain't subtle. How'd you know? How'd you know? There's no cunning in that. You know where we you know where we've lost it? We've lost it when people came to the church looking for change, and the church tells the world they're okay. That's not why they come to church. I don't want to go to church down there. There's hypocrites down there. There's hypocrites in every church. You know where hypocrites go? To church. If they don't, they're not hypocrites. The same person that says they won't come to church because people are hypocrites will go sit at a bar and drink from a bartender who is a hypocrite. Yeah, buddy, I care about you. Here, have another. He don't care about you. He cares about the bottom line and what the tip's going to be. He's not, oh, preach, preacher. I'm telling you, this world is full of hypocrites. But that doesn't, that doesn't get rid of the fact that just because there's a counterfeit doesn't mean there's not a real. I'm telling you, there's a real gospel. There's real change. There's real life. There's real fire. There's real passion. You can't dilute this. We try to make it so attractive, it loses its power. You know, my, 
best football coach that I ever played for was Coach John McComas. Did you? How sweet was he? Not at all. Not at all. He wasn't sweet to me, but he made me better. What if, what if we're just sweet to each other all the time and nobody gets any better? What if you go into the doctor and you're riddled with it and the doctor says, mm, yeah, so good to see you, honey. What, what if that's all we get? No, let me tell you the truth of the issue. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? He says, Nathaniel, he's not subtle. There's no guile. There's no deceit. There's no craftiness in him. That's a plan of the devil. Let me tell you this. If I have to have a fog machine to get you to the altar, I'm preaching a false gospel. And let me tell you why. Because if the word of God doesn't have enough power to get people to the altar, then they're going for the wrong reason anyway. It's the gospel that has the power to save. It's not about my theatrics. It's not about my scheme. It's not about my craft. It's about the truth of God's word. And watch this. Works like this too. I'm yelling because I'm a yeller. But watch this. It's the gospel. I can say it quiet. It's the gospel that saves people. It's not our schemes. It's not our talent. It's not our ability. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that'll take a man that is riddled by sin, wash him in red blood, and make him white as a driven snow so that he can walk in a holy place where he's never walked before. That's what the gospel does. And I'm not yelling, and it's still good. Yes, maybe I was yelling in lowercase. Watch what he says. He says, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, whether you believe he was literally under a fig tree or whether you believe he was using the rabbi term of meditation. When people meditated, the rabbis would say, he's under the fig tree. Metaphorically, not literally. Whether you believe he was literally under a fig tree or he was meditating. I think the meditating thing makes a whole lot more sense. Because if he was naturally under a fig tree and he saw him, he wouldn't think that was very cool. But if he was meditating and nobody knew he was meditating, he said, I saw you. But man, he's not just around me, he's in my head. Whichever way it was, it got Nathaniel's attention. He got converted right there that, that instant. Can anything come out of that? You're the son of God, king of Israel, you're the man. That's a pretty good conversion. I would love to convert people like that. I'm going to start trying it, going around people. Hey, I seen you in the fig tree. <laughs> hey, seen you in the fig tree. He was letting him know there's something different about Jesus. Every religion of this world has a leader. I said every religion in this world has a leader, but they're not like our leader. Can I teach it for my new people? Thanks. You said talk about it, I'm going to talk about it. Every religion is based on what their leader taught. If you are a Muslim, you base what you believe on what Muhammad taught. If you are a Mormon, you base what you believe on what Joseph Smith taught. If you are a Buddhist, you base what you believe on what Buddha taught. If you are a Christian, you do not base what you believe on what Jesus taught. It's different than every other religion. The Bible says, though never spake a man like this man spake. 
He said, unless a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. What's he saying? He's saying, oh, if Jesus would have died and if they would have laid him in the grave, and nothing would have happened. He would have been nothing more than one of those other guys that had a good teaching. But this corner, it fell into the ground and it died. But I'm here to tell you, it didn't remain. It got up. It got up. He got up. My leader got up. I do not base what I believe on what Jesus taught. I base what I believe on who he was. He was the Son of God declared to be with power by the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Oh, yeah, that's good. Hurry, hurry. Hurry, Damon. Watch this. 2 Timothy 3 and 5. Having a form of... 2 Timothy 3 and 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the potency, the power thereof, from such turn away. If you can picture a town completely controlled by the devil, what would it look like? Vegas. He said Vegas. Some of y'all was like Coal City. <laughs> Who said Fireco? I rebuke, I rebuke you. You stick with Vegas and you leave Fireco home. It looked like Vegas, wouldn't it? Or maybe worse. Anybody? Where? Oh, the whole state. Anybody else? What would it look like? If you went into a town that was completely ran by the devil, what would it look like? San Francisco, Vegas. No, no, no East Coast cities. They're all out there, preacher. Over here on the East Coast, we're saved. Just, you know, look past New York. Look past all this mess over here. Just get on out there where they're going to fall off eventually. D.C.? Beckley. None of the rest of y'all had statistics like that. I appreciate his homework. You know what I think? I don't think it'd look any different than any other town. You know what I think the difference would be? The church. I think the church would be different. I think people would still dress up and go to church on Sunday. I think they'd come in and they'd sit down and they would hear a deluded gospel so that they would think that they're okay and not know the truth. And if I was the devil, I'd be perfectly fine with that. But where I would get nervous if I was the devil is if a Nathaniel popped up and said, hey, I'm shooting straight. This ain't watered down. I love you and I'm going to tell you. This is how Paul taught us to share the gospel. He said they have a form of godliness. They would have all the tapestry. They would have all this. They would have, they'd be dressed. They would look and everything would be mm, and it would be ah. Uh-uh. But the problem was there would be no power in it. 
there would be no power to what? Power to change, power to deliver, power to set free, power to bind up the brokenhearted. People would come in and they would just get a little taste of a watered down. And I'm telling you, the church would be profitable, but I'm telling you what it wouldn't do. It wouldn't change lives. Is anybody listening to me? Is anybody with me right now? I would have it look just like every other town. I would have it be dressed up just like every other town. But where I would mess with it would be in the pulpit and in the church so that people would think. But I'm here to tell you, you can't just think. you got to know your eternal destiny is hanging on whether you are in truth or out of truth. And I'm here to tell you, there's only one truth, and his name is Jesus. And if you're in him, you're going to be all right. And if you're not, you're in trouble. Second uh, Timothy 4, 1 through 3. How long, Shane? How long's it been? 32. I'll show you that for before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You should judge as quick. Give me that. Give me that. I want y'all to see this. I want y'all to see this. Did you find it? Did I need to say it again? All right. Second uh, Timothy 4, 1 through 3. Y'all got time to do three verses with me? Is anybody hungry? Doug, Doug. I charge ye therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. Listen to this. He said, I'm giving you a charge. I'm challenging you, Timothy. And I'm challenging you through the one who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Let me tell you what's going to happen. He's not coming back to be put at a whipping post anymore. He's not coming back to be beaten. He's not coming back to carry a cross. He's not coming back as the lamb. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back as judge. He said, I'm charging you. I'm charging you. Preach the word. Preach the word. Give me that next verse. Preach the word. Be instant. In season. That means when it's in, preach it. Out of season. When they don't want to hear it, preach it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and stay right there for just a minute. So here we have a church in the first verse that has a form of godliness but no power. So we have a pulpit that doesn't want to give the full gospel. We have a pulpit that is, a, that is afraid to offend, so they don't want to give the full gospel. We, we want to leave sin out. We want to leave judgment out, and we want to talk about blessing. That's that first form of godliness, but no power. Watch this. So we have a pulpit that doesn't want to preach. We also have this. Next verse. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So not only do we have a pulpit in some, time, some areas that don't want to give the full gospel, we also have people that don't want to hear the full gospel. We got people that have itching ears. And we're okay with you just giving us a little bit, but don't give it all to us. 
Please, preacher, whatever you do, don't give me any kind of responsibility in this thing. Don't give me anything that I have to do to grow closer. Don't give me any, Lord, please don't preach on sacrifice. Please don't preach about your, the cross, and, 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 and that's the problem. People don't understand the cross. He carried your cross so that you could carry yours. He carried your cross. So now you can pick up your cross and follow him. We don't like this preaching. Why don't we like this? Because there comes a sacrifice in serving Jesus. I want you to look around this church. I want you to look around. Everybody look around. Look around. Look around. Look how many men are sitting in this church. Stand up if you're a man. Give yourself a hand, man. Sit down. This is abnormal. Most churches you go in are female dominated. Most of the parishioners are women. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because men want to be challenged. Let me say that again. Men want to be challenged. Get, get, Get around a bunch of guys for a little bit of time and somebody's pushing somebody. We was at a birthday party. When was that? Two Sundays ago? We're there to celebrate little Paisley's birthday. Next thing you know, there's a table over there pulled out and there's arm wrestling going on. Jason Tucker's the one that started it. Come on, let's go, let's go. It's just like, man, it's, it's always, uh, y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, let's see who can do this. Let's, I mean, anything we can find, we'll compete. Let's see him bounce a quarter off that wall and keep it closer. I mean, we're goofy. We'll stand there for hours and throw stuff. Huh? Oh, yeah, eat the pepper. How many people, how many guys? Raise your hand. Oh, look, man, I got this uh, Carolina Reaper. I mean, you got, they're like, we're like. I thought, where's Dustin ain't here? Where's Megan? I thought we was going to take Dustin to the hospital one time. Man, I wish I had that video I could show you all right now. His throat started swelling shut, and he's ripping his shirt off. He's laying there going, take me to the hospital. I got to show you all that video. We're, we're recording and he's dying. We're like, <laughs> he's over. I can't breathe anymore. Finally, the superintendent looked at me and said, You might want to take him. I was like, For real? Man, want to be challenged. Problem is, we got these preachers, man, I don't know why I'm here today, but I'm here, that are preaching this watered-down gospel, and they're apologetic about everything they say. I'm sorry if this offends you. I am not. I hope it hurts you, because it hurts me, because it gets me too. I'm not apologizing for what Jesus said. 
If Jesus said, take up your cross and follow him, then that's what he said. I'm just here burlaying the message, man. I don't have to say, I'm sorry, but Jesus wants you. That ain't it at all. You either man up or sit down. That's just how it works. You know why a sinner should repent? You know what we've made it about? We've made it about saving or hide from hell. When I was a kid, they preached it like this. It's going to burn. And they'd preach about coal stoves. And they'd say things like this. They'd say, you ever seen that stovepipe uh, on that stove uh, and get red hot? Uh, and you know what? Uh, I had seen it. Uh, and I didn't want any part of it. Well, I mean, we can't preach that now. I mean, how am I going to preach that to y'all? Have you ever stepped on a vent in the living room? Uh, it's a little too warm. Uh. That ain't going to work. They'd say there's fire down yonder and I don't want to go. And as a, a very intellectual decision, it made sense for me to go to the altar because it stopped me from being burnt. Uh, I didn't want to be, I still don't want to be burnt. I got scars on my arm for well. You got any? It's not fun. You dance. This guy comes by and he sees my, my hoodie's on fire. And he goes, oh goodness. He smacked it all the way down into my skin. I was like, Ugh! I don't want to be burnt. I don't want to go to hell. But this ain't about a flesh decision and fleshly pain. It's bigger than that. So here's why a sinner should repent. A sinner should repent because Jesus deserves the love and the obedience that you're not giving him. As a benefit, you won't be burned. That's not my motivation. That's not my motivation. My motivation is him. As a blessing for doing what is honorable, I'm not going to hell. I don't know about you, but I like to laugh. How many people like to laugh? Raise your hand if you like to laugh, laugh, laugh. Everybody like to laugh? Everybody, everybody, everybody. There will be no laughing in hell. So when these guys at work say, see you in hell, and they act like it's something pleasant, they're crazy. No, they say that. People make that statement. It's not going to be a big party down there. You know what I've done, Sam? I punched my ticket to not go there. How did I punch it? Through Jesus Christ. I got to stop. This is the longest sermon I've preached. Preach the word. Be in season. Reprove. Reprove. Rebuke. And exhort. Reprove means to convict. To bring conviction. To find fault with and to correct. 
to call to account, to show one his fault, to demand an explanation, to chasten or to punish. He said, Timothy, when you preach, call him into accountability. That's what he said first. Then he said, rebuke. Has anybody ever been rebuked? Have you ever been rebuked by an elder in the church? I'm the only one. It's a scary thing when the pastor says, hey, I'd like to talk to you. You're like, oh, no. What in the world did I do? What happened? I'm like, can you give me a little bit of an idea? No, no, we'll get together. What, what is this, checking my anxiety level, how well I can deal with it? What are you trying to do to me? What the problem is? Let's talk about it now. Anything that should be done eventually should be done immediately. Let's get this done. I've sat down across the table from elders and they rebuked me. I've had things said to me that some of y'all couldn't take. You would have found another church. All right, is this good preaching? Raise your hand if this is good preaching. Let me tell you why. Because I got rebuked. (laughs) Because when I first started, it wasn't good preaching. And the pastor sat me down and said, a lot of nonsense going on there. I still got some of that mixed in. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. He sat me down and rebuked me and said things that you couldn't handle. You know what you need? You need a coach that gives you a participation award. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to somebody that really wants to get something done for the kingdom of God and wants to get souls saved and get families united and spread this gospel like it should be spread. Am I talking to you? Man, we got to get serious about this thing. Reprove, rebuke. I still get rebuked. The problem is the rebuker now is my father-in-law. He'll set me down sometimes. He'll say, Damon, I need to talk to you. It's hard to take because I love that guy and we're close. I don't like when he's mean to me. He said rebuke through preaching, rebuke. You're allowed to do that? Not not today, not in this not in this time. You have to say, "I'm sorry. I do apologize, but I'm about to rebuke you and I hope it doesn't hurt you." Well, what are you rebuking me for then? Why are you trying to convict me and not convict me and make me feel good and apologize to me? Give it to me straight, man. Give it to me straight. I'm going to give it to you straight. Adam sinned. Because Adam sinned, we were born under the similitude of Adam's transgression. You are born in sin. You are born a sinner. By the time you're two foot tall, you can tell a ten foot tall lie. Nobody taught you that. That's in your nature. The problem is your nature has to be changed. So while you were yet a sinner, God made a way that you can be reconciled to him through the death of Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus died on a cross. He was buried and he rose again. So he wants you to follow that. He wants you too to die to your old self, bury the old man, and raise to walk in the newness of life. Now, once you get there, he doesn't leave you there. He gives you the same spirit that he had so that it can compel you to live for him there are people that are waiting to get better to live for Jesus and Jesus is saying you need me so that you can get better that's the gospel the question is will you accept it or not 
Come on, musicians, please come. Are you, are, you, are you in the right spot? Are you where you need to be? Is God dealing with your heart? Is he challenging you? Are you qualified? Watch that baby. I am now. Listen. Thomas, I love people. I love people. So I gotta tell them the truth. I don't want somebody sitting beside me with a terminal illness, knowing they have a terminal illness, saying, Well, I hope that they figure it out. I hope that some way they figure out that they need to go see the physician. I hope that they when I know, when I what kind of person would I be that I wouldn't look up? I'm gonna tell you, if you get that news, it'll change the way you act. You might go skydiving or Rocky Mountain climbing. <laughs> You're ever saying the rest of the verses, ain't you? I've seen you. I've seen you. Well, you know what you might do? You might say, man, this sin is really eating a hole in my life. And you're saying this is the medicine? Because we can act tough if we want. But man, when we're by ourselves sometimes, there are questions. There's conversations that go on that we don't share. There's things that we wonder about. And we say, man, is this life? Is this really life? Going to work every morning. Working all day. Coming home. Going to bed. Getting up. Going to work. Living for the weekend. Get through the weekend. Newsflash, it's already Sunday. You were so excited just a few minutes ago. TGIF, you was running around. It's gone. It's gone. There's got to be more to life than that, right? There's got to be more than punching in, punching out. And then you live to retirement. The Francis Chan thing, that's so good. You spend your life and you get to that one little section right here. Man, when I get 60, I'm going to retire early, 64. <laughs> you get right there and you live for that and you sit down and you rust. Got to be more to it than that. There is. There is. He said, Nathaniel, you think that's cool? Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. I'm about to show you some things. He said, you're going to see the very heavens opened up. Man, this earth doesn't got much more to give you. Everything in this world is deteriorating. Everything. You can try to save this planet with you want, if you want, but it's dying just like us because of sin. It's groaning, waiting. I don't know who to believe. Some of them tell me that the ice is melting. Some of them tell me it's coming back. Somebody told me it was getting hotter, Al Gore. Then he had to cancel his 
global warming meeting because of freezing temperatures. So they changed it from global warming to climate change. Yeah, climate changes. It changes from the time I go to work to the time I get off. I don't know who to believe in this world anymore. Anybody with me? But I know who to believe about this world. Man, when I read this book, I'm getting out of here. I said, I'm getting out of here. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. So I want you to listen up. If God's dealing with your heart, would you stand up? Would you stand up? We're going to do what we did last Sunday. Man, if, if God's dealing with your heart, everybody in here is rooting for you. Everybody in here wants you to become part of our family. Listen, it's a dysfunctional family. You'll fit right in. You know how everybody's got that weird uncle in their family? Weird aunt. If you don't know it, you're probably them. <laughs> Man, we're, our whole, our, this whole family's dysfunctional. Every one of us. Amen. But man, God just brings you in and loves you and starts making changes in your life for our good, for the good. So if God's dealing with your heart, I don't care what he's dealing with you about. Would you stand up? Would you be the first? Because here's what we're going to do as a congregation. We're going to clap like crazy for you. We really are. We're going to applaud like crazy. Go ahead and get your hands ready. Go ahead and get your hands ready. If God's dealing with your heart and you say, man, you know what? I want to change. I want to change in my life. I believe what you preached to me today is truth. It wasn't watered down. Man, there's a hell and there's a heaven. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. If, if that's you, if that's you, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Give us a reason to applaud. Give us a reason to clap. Give us a reason. If God's dealing with your heart, would you stand up? Would you come? I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on. This is on you. This is on you. Anybody need to pray? Anybody need to pray?